Gods to Ghost Volleyball. I'm your host, Scott Bemke. Today we feature part one of our multi-part interview with Jay Hanseth. Jay grew up in Pacific Palisades, California and competed in basketball for the Pally Dolphins where they were the LA school city champs in 1969 and runner-ups in 1970. After graduating high school, Jay went on to compete in basketball at Santa Monica Community College, where he was a member of the 1972 State Junior College Championship team and was also named the 72 Southern California Junior College Basketball Player of the Year. Jay then went on to compete collegiately in both basketball as well as indoor volleyball for the University of California Santa Barbara Gauchos, where they earned two runner-up finishes in the NCAA championship to UCLA both years in 74 and 75, and won a USVBA Open Championship as a collegiate team in 1974 in Knoxville, Tennessee during the USVBA Nationals. Later, Jay was inducted into the UC Santa Barbara Athletic Hall of Fame for both basketball and volleyball and went on to have a successful career on the beach where he won five Opens, including the prestigious 1981 Laguna Beach Open alongside high school Reseda Regent basketball nemesis Greg Lee. And finally, Jay also competed in the professional indoor league known as the IVA. With that being said, let's get started with Jay Hanseth, part one. Yeah, so let's start at the beginning, Jay. You um, attended Pacific Palisades High School, and from what I um, have gathered, you're a, a talent, quite the talented athlete, so uh, both on the volleyball uh, court as well as basketball court, and got to compete with uh, a whole crew of talented guys from Marlowe and Shaw and um what, what was fred Sturm was there and that's only naming a few plus you well, got to play bob against Plam, bob Plam, ed becker all these guys were like all american volleyball players yeah there you go so yeah let's let's you. talk about all you. that i'm gonna list you in the three years that i was at pally high mm-hmm. there was bob Clem, all american dick Irvin, all american uh ed becker Dave DeGroote, Chris Marlowe, Randy Stevenson, Milo Beacons, um, myself, Kelly Broom, Wayne Gracie, that were all Americans, Jeff Jacobs. Wow. Anyway, these all ended up being in within three years, four years, they were all American collegiate volleyball players. That's from one high school. And the 
NC2A winner of volleyball, collegiate volleyball, for about six years was the team that had the most Palisades High School players on it. It was pretty amazing. And when we lost to UCLA, we had five and they had five Pally High guys. So it was a toss-up. Unfortunately, right going into the playoffs, three of our guys got sprained ankles. So we ended up with only two Palisades guys versus their five. So, of course, we lost. But talked to them, and it was like a foregone conclusion, even though in the <laughs> in the year that we played them five times, we killed them five times during the season. But the week of the playoffs, for some Al Skates weird phenomenon, three of our guys got sprained ankles and couldn't play. So we ended up with, you know, two of our guys that were normal players. Dave DeGroote was our setter. And then two other five ten guys, so we weren't the same team, and we ended up losing. But you're talking about that seventy four season, correct? I'm talking, yeah, seventy four. When it went to five and Rob Jim Rob and, Jim. and uh, no, not that one. Not okay, that one. that one was a legitimate UCLA win. Okay, even though the refs kind of screwed us, but I have to say that UCLA beat us we had beaten them five times during the year but they won that one match okay gotcha it was so i can't dispute that but the next year we were unbeatable and lost no games and that was unfortunately so lots of pally athletes uh both volleyball wise was howard enstead the coach of you guys at that time or did he come along later i don't No, howard enstead was the volleyball he was a gymnastic coach but he liked volleyball and he didn't really know we knew way more about volleyball (laughs) than he did but he was an organizer and he would put us together and there was really only there was santa monica high there was Miracosta with Duncan McFarlane and a couple guys that weren't really very good. And then us, and we had about 15 guys that were better than anybody on their, the other teams. So there was no chance we were going to be, went, we weren't going to beat any other high school team. That was a joke. Our second team or our third team could have beaten any of the other teams. And that was just a question of, we were a big high school basketball power and we had two gyms adjoining each other. And the main emphasis was playing basketball with Marlo, myself, all these guys that were all American volleyball players. And But if you lost when you were playing basketball, you'd go in the other gym while you were waiting to get up again. You had to wait about 45 minutes, an hour to get, your, get up in the basketball court. So you go in the volleyball end, the other gym, and play volleyball because nice. the nets would be up. And so we all learned to play volleyball and suddenly we really liked volleyball and we put together a team, basically basketball season would end and suddenly all the guys on the basketball team were playing volleyball and we ended up really good. And we were the first high school team to go to the USBBA nationals. And that was in 68 or 69. Mm -hmm. And we played every weekend against the national team guys, the older guys, the Lang, the Lang and Mike Bright and Dick Hammer and 
Ed Becker, all these guys that were like three or four to 10 years older than us, Butch May, all these type guys, we'd play against them and we didn't, we could beat most of the teams because we were in shape and they were round robin tournaments. So the guys, the older guys would get tired by the end. But there were a few teams, the older, the Olympic type guys and the guys that were beach players, they would beat us. But we were only 11th grader, 12th graders, you know. But then suddenly we became college players and that all changed. So when I played at UCSB, in fact, we, our UCSB team ended up playing all the national team guys in the USBBA finals, I think at Knoxville. Tennessee, and we ended up being the only team, collegiate team, to ever win the nationals because we were playing against the Olympic guys. Sure. You know, the older guys. And fortunately, I think we won because by the time we played the best teams, they were so sore because they were out of shape and we were just coming off the collegiate season. We weren't tired or sore at all. So we killed them in the finals. It wasn't even close. Was that but, the next season then in 75 when you guys had that great yeah. season and then you you had a couple guys go out with the ankle injuries, but you won yeah. like Wasn't there a collegiate yeah. level of nationals and then an open yeah, but, level as well? I, I think yeah, if my memory serves me right. The collegiate level was a joke. No one was going to beat us. I mean, I mean, we were healthy again. It was, you know, you had UCLA, you had USC, then... It wasn't, it, you know, there, it wasn't a contest when we were at full strength. So, you know, you lose three of your best players to injury the week of a big tournament, you're not the same team. But by the time the Nationals came around, they were all recovered, and it was a, the collegiate level was a joke. So we won that easily, and then we ended up playing in the Open Division against the Olympic guys, and we had some good matches, but we were in tip top shape and back then, you know, these guys were working at jobs. So by the time they played the important matches, they were, they were cramping and sore and couldn't jump. And we, we won quite easily. So anyway, so that's how it happened with Pally high. I mean, we, we were basketball players that suddenly became volleyball players just because, you know, that's what we needed to do to waste time while you were waiting to play basketball. So the Palisades High thing, it was legendary. I mean, at that time, even until the 90s, I think it was a lot of volleyball. Randy Stoklos, you know, there are a lot of guys coming through there. A lot of Pepperdine guys came through that program and stuff. But the interesting thing is all of us guys that were playing in that high school volleyball stuff, we started going down to the beach in the summer, you know. You can't play and sit in a gym during the beautiful weather, so we'd go down to the beach and some of the older guys, Marlo and Randy Stevenson, they were going, you gotta come down to Sereno. Sereno, I mean, you, you, we play volleyball, but this whole beach thing's happening. You gotta come down and check out these guys. So we'd go down there and here's Von Hagen lang and these guys and we're going who are these old guys i mean they're god they're good what the hell is this so we sit down there and then randy stevenson and marlo who were who knew all about what was going on on the beach they're they're 
telling me and some of the other guys that these are the gods. This is the these <laughs> Von Hagen Lang. Oh my God, they are the they are what's happening. You go to Manhattan. Oh my God, these guys are incredible. They're telling us these stories, and we're sitting there, and we're volleyball players, and we think we're really good, and we're looking at Von Hagen, who's like granite. He's like this muscle builder guy that can jump 40 inches in the sand and you're going oh my god this is keith erickson comes down and all these guys that you look at and they're so far advanced because you know they're older guys they've been playing for 10 or 15 years on the sand they've honed their game and we're looking at them as 17 and 18 year olds oh my god you know that i can do this you know, I'm a, you know, we won the city basketball championship. We were going, you know, we were traveling around the United States to this USBBA national stuff. We were used to playing against these top guys, but we hadn't really seen the beach thing. And Randy Stevenson, it was like a friend of mine. He was the setter on our team. He's going, oh my God, you got to come down here and check this whole scene out. So we'd come down there and look at these guys and go, oh, my God, this is what I want to do. This is in the summertime. This is where I want to be. I don't want to be in a stupid gym. <laughs> I want to be down at the beach. It's beautiful, sunny. The waves are breaking. There's these girls, these incredibly hot girls in bikinis. And let's see, I have the option of being in the gym with nobody there dribbling a basketball in a hot gym, or I can be at the beach with this whole thing happening with girls and you go in the ocean and you're playing volleyball and it's fun. So we chose the gym. No, just kidding. We chose volleyball and we all, everybody from Pali started going down to Sereno. When you're a young kid, the way it worked at Sereno, if you were a volleyball player and you decided to try and go down and get involved. Sereno was kind of a closed off scene. You had to be a volleyball player to be at the, at the wall at Sereno or a really cute girl. But <laughs> basically all of us guys, we were kind of volleyball guys and we were young and we were and those older guys were really embracing to the young guys coming through if you were seriously trying to learn to play volleyball. Gene Fluger, Van Horsen, Lang, Von Hagen, those guys, those older guys, Steno Brunicardi, they loved to see the young guys coming through if you were serious about really learning to play beach volleyball. Like, especially Lang and Von Hagen primarily was the most embracing. He would sit, you've talked to him, Scott, you've talked to him. You can talk about the most minutia of volleyball things. <laughs> yeah. He will talk an hour about the proper way to set, how to, you know, anything. Sure. And the, he would sit there and he would talk with us and he would describe the proper way to play. You know, it was pass, set, hit. Don't let any other things into your brain. When you, the other team is serving, you only think about pass, pass set. He would always say pass set, pass set. Get your, don't, because when you're playing beach volleyball, it's hot. You're tired. You're, you get, your brain tends to want to wander about, 
oh my that last play i made i made a mistake uh oh am i gonna win your brain tends to wander and it's hot and you're playing for hours at a time and he would say you have to just focus let everything go when the other team is serving you watch the ball you pass you set you don't make a mistake his big motto to us was if you side out you can't lose as long as you don't make a mistake and you always side out you'll win mm-hmm. you don't you know the other team will make some mistakes if you pass set hit put the ball away at a really high efficiency you will win and that was it when you would watch him lang play they would just go back and forth to each other okay pass set pass set you're just sitting there, oh, my God, I get it, pass set. But he would say it every time in between points. And, you know, Ronnie Von Hagen was, like, so gracious in the fact that he would really try and teach you. He would kick your ass in the tournament. But then the following week, he would, like, dissect, okay, this is what, what do you think about this? And you've talked to him, Scott, you know and people that know Ronnie a lot, he will dissect the elements of volleyball to just the nth degree. And you can talk to hours about stuff that seems so in such minutia. But all of us want, you know, Mingus, Shamalas, Greg Lee, myself, at the end of the day, you'd be sitting against the wall, you'd be drinking a beer, the sun would be setting. I remember Greg Lee going, what could be better than this? There's nothing better than this. There's just beautiful girls in bathing suits. Look at the sun. We're down here. We're healthy. We're playing sports. We're jumping in the water. What could be better than this? Nothing could be better than this. And we, at that point in time, late in the day, you played for already four or five hours. You know, we would just talk and you would just suck the information from Von Hagen it, it, it seems silly at times because we were like, going, oh, my God, Ronnie will talk forever on this stuff. We're kind of laughing. But at the same time, we're absorbing it. And he taught us the proper way to mentally approach the game. Every, you know, we, every, Mingus, Shamalas, Greg Lee, myself, we're all really pretty exceptional athletes. And But he really embraced the proper focus mentally how to not make mistakes how to just stay focused because it's the mental there's a lot of guys that are physically capable of playing at a high level but there's a certain those of us that were at Sereno you know we just grueled and we grueled and we learned from those guys the mental approach and later when you'd be playing guys you look across the net and and you're looking at them and they know they're going to lose to you and you know they're going to lose to you even though they're just as big and just as strong and jump high they just don't have the confidence they haven't learned the proper mental approach to the game and they make mistakes they make mistakes and then they'll they'll play for 30 minutes perfectly and they're looking at you and you're still at two to two or three to three after 30 minutes or 40 minutes Mm-hmm. And they're just going, oh, my God, there's no way I can keep this up. They just <laughs> fold. They just fold. 
and that was, you know, Von, Von Hagen and Lang, he, he, it was the same thing. You, when we were young and you're playing them, and you're playing so great and you're playing for such a long time and it's only four to four, four to two, and you're ahead of them and you're going, God, I'm playing perfect. And Lang's sitting there going, yeah. He's like, going, you're going to fold. And he had the dialogue that would just break you mentally. <laughs> I believe it. Lang was Lang was like, I must say, was like, he could just look at you and he's spinning the ball on his fingers and he's looking at you and he's, and you're playing him during the week and you're, you know, we'd be down there and we're just learning the game about we're good athletes. We're getting really good. We played down there a couple of years. We're like, triple a really good and he's like ahead six to zero and he's spinning the ball on his fingers going you know what point shut out <laughs> and if it's seven zero you're off the court you've waited an hour and a half to play and you know if you lose seven zero you're or not going to get eight zero i think right yeah something was, like that yeah if he gets a, if he gets a shutout you're <laughs> off he doesn't is you're not worthy of finishing the game and he'd look at you and you just go oh my god i gotta get a point you know and, and that's when you're first first able to play on the main court with sereno you don't get just to play on the main court unless you're acceptable unless your your level was worthy of being worthy out there of them even practicing against you and they would they I think Lang's big thing was he wanted to just crush you during the week. So when he played you during the weekend in the tournament, every you knew, he knew, everybody knew you were not, you didn't have a chance to win. So it was important during the week for him to crush you. And that happened for a while, but it, you know, we all knew Shimalas, Mingus, myself, Greg Lee, we were going, but he kept, beating us beating us but in the back of our mind we knew that he's going to get older we're taller we're bigger you know we're just as good an athlete as he is but he's got more time in us and he just the way he kept us down was to crush us and crush us and try and mentally keep us not confident but i think none of us doubted that ultimately we would be on the same level as him he had his period he was by far he and von hagen were were the best i mean their record speaks to that i never felt anybody that was intensely capable of dismantling you mentally as ron lang you know you hit the ball straight down at the most crucial time and somehow he would dig it he wouldn't dig you you just be bearing the ball, bearing the ball, bearing the ball. And then at like 13 to 13 or something, you hit the ball, you crushed. That's the one he would dig. And they would get the point for 14, 13. And he'd be looking at you going, yeah, I knew I would dig you ultimately. And it was so frustrating, you know, but that's, that's the mentality of those guys. And it was so great. And his aggressive and his mentally, just disheartening it was to lose to those guys the fact that they always practiced and played so hard against you that was the standard with which you could gauge how much better you were getting 
because that you knew during the week that they were playing against you as hard as they could. And if you were getting six points, then you were getting nine points, then you are getting 12 points, you knew that you were getting good. And that when you were getting that close, suddenly when you were playing in the tournaments, you were getting confidence. You, you knew that during the week they were giving it their all and you were getting right close to them, right close to them. So then you suddenly, we started playing them in tournaments and we had the confidence that it can't be worse than what we were playing during the week because we knew they were trying to kick our ass. <laughs> and we started getting confidence. And when we, in, during the week, you know that if during the week you're right there, Deuce with Von Hagen and Lang, you know when you're playing Gage and Swartz or something, you're, you have a good chance of beating them. They were another top team, but they weren't as good as Von Hagen and Lang early on. You know, occasionally they would beat them, but not often. And if you knew you could compete with Von Hagen and Lang, you were, you know, you were expecting to do well in the tournaments, and that was such a huge thing. That was really exciting, and, I, you know, I just think that if you look, I have to say this about Von Hagen. He had the most probably influence on the sport of anyone because he was down there all the time. He was available to play. Like it would be foggy. It would be February (laughs) and it would be misting. And we, I lived in the Palisades and I had to go to city Santa Monica city college. I had to drive by Sereno and I would be going to school and I'd look in there and there, there's Von Hagen's car. Oh my God! What did he drive back knew, then? He had some kind of like okay, a, there's Von Hagen. a wagon or if, something. <laughs> if I go in there, I can. He's dying to play a game. He's sitting there waiting for the some players to come in so he can play, even <laughs> though it's foggy and shitty and windy. He's sitting there in his car with his dogs, and there's one other guy there, and he's waiting for two more guys to come so he can play. This is the winter time. Too bad there wasn't a cornfield like Field of Dreams. I could go to math class or I could go play against Von Hagen. (laughs) What the hell am I going to do? U-turn, back in the parking lot, and then you get to practice against Von Hagen. And that's what we would do. I mean, he was was there to practice against. It would be like Michael Jordan. If you're like some 18, 19-year-old basketball player and you know you go by at this gym, there's Michael Jordan able to practice against you. Hell, what are you going to do? Nah. You're going to go down there. I mean, that, that's how you get good. You you get good by playing against the number one guys. Yep. And that and the fact that he was there and he was willing to talk to you about volleyball. If there's only three guys there, you sit in his car and you talk about volleyball. You talk or you talk about John Wooden. He was a basketball player for John Wooden, I think. He was he for a little him. while for the first like several weeks for of the season and then short, he, he yeah, quit. For a very short time. <laughs> but he idolized John Wooden for right sure good, did. good reasons. But, you know, it was so amazing. You go in there and you talk volleyball and you talk and if there's four guys show, if four guys were there, you go out and you play and it'd be misty and shitty, but you're putting in your time against the best guy there. And, you know, Ron Lang was he had a different approach. He was like wanted to crush you at all times as bad as possible so that in the tournament 
you knew you were going to get crushed. He didn't want to leave a an impression in your mind that you had a chance to win against him. Sure. Whereas Von Hagen was like, he was more like a mentor. He would teach you. He, he If you beat him, he would really compliment you and say, you played so good, but then he'd want to kick your ass again the next weekend. But <laughs> he was so complimentary to how you played and how you a gentleman, did. Gentleman, if you will. You. Ron, Ron Lang was like more vengeance, you know. But they were, it was, he was, Ron Lang was very nice to me, probably because he always kicked my ass, but I was up and coming and he was always, you know, very congenial with me more so than maybe some of the other guys. But, um, those two guys had a huge, they had such a huge impact on beach volleyball. You know, the, the, the new, the younger guys, Karch, Sinjin, Randy, Stoklos, and those guys, they they played a lot of beach volleyball, but it was more like an appointment, go down, play with the guys you want to play with, and that's it. Whereas Von Hagen, those guys were like down there, you know. And if you were a young kid and you started getting good, you could play against them. You could practice against them. You could judge yourself against them. And they would talk volleyball with you and teach you and tell you the right way to play and things that they learned and assess your game. And it was, you know, I really valued the mentorship that those guys gave us. Yeah, and they really set the standard for you as far as, um, you know, you practice as hard as you play. There should be no difference. And um, otherwise, you weren't going to stay in that court very long either <laughs> during the week. <laughs> but also, but also, it's like those. If the conditions were bad, they would still play. If the wind came up at eleven o'clock, I mean, how many times in a tournament is it, does it get windy? Those guys would practice in the wind because I mean, you hated to play on. You hated to play Lang when it got windy. You're going, oh no. <laughs> Because he's going to do all this weird wind stuff. Right. He served weird. He had all these weird things that he'd do. And he was like, had ball control. And he practiced, those guys practiced and played in the wind. Whereas all these, you know, the younger guys that I see, you know, oh, it's windy. Let's not go down. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, how many times I can tell you the big matches are won in windy shitty conditions you know because you're playing in the afternoon that's when it's windy those guys you know they were very instrumental in saying you know what you've got to play in the wind if you're gonna be a top player you have to get those wind skills you got to learn how to serve into the wind you got to learn how to serve with the sun at your back and get gauge it so that the sometimes the the ball disappears in the sun like a baseball player trying to catch a fly ball the sun's just right you lose it mm-hmm. and, and plus those courts were dug out so sometimes you're hitting on a net that at certain areas where it's literally probably close to eight and a half or nine feet and all sorts of stuff i i've heard that factors that came into play that you don't really know with how um the courts are groomed today and there's stands around it to block the wind and uh, all those other variables that have kind of been eliminated. Well, all the, the big tournaments were played at beaches where that were very popular beach volleyball locations. So Laguna, Manhattan, Sereno, State Beach, those courts were really 
dug out because you know you when you stand in the middle you're kicking the sand around in the center of the court where you are doing most of the diving and shuffling and stuff they get it's like a depression and so when ball control was really important you it was like if you were you run up a mountain to get up to the net some of those courts it was literally a foot deeper in the center than it was at the net and the it did, some of the main beaches were very soft sand laguna state sereno were deep sand beaches and so you you had to jump differently you had to jump flat-footed in order to get elevation you it was a lot different than when you go to these when i played later in my career you had these flat hard packed dirt almost somewhat sand but almost dirt and it's easy to jump and it's flat and it's a totally different thing a six six guy on those courts it doesn't matter if you're five feet six feet back it's no big deal i mean but if you're playing it if you're playing at laguna beach and you're five or six feet back suddenly the net's essentially nine feet tall (laughs) and it's deep sand and everything changes you know so i think that that is one of the big things that the courts now when they play your internationally the sand isn't as deep it's flat and it's hard packed and it's much easier to hit and there's not a lot of endurance involved so you know back in the back in the early days of von hagen and lang ball control was like everything you, you had to be close to the net. You had to be close to the net because the dugout courts, the deeper sand, all that type of stuff, and the endurance. You know, I, I remember some of the early tournaments I played in, like Manhattan, it was a 120-team bracket. So when we would play, if you were one of the top seeds and you play Tim Walmer when he's 14 years old playing with Kevin Clary, who's... 15 yep no they're kids they're really they're like they're the future they're future stars but they're like 14 or 15 years <laughs> old but you could enter the tournament dad mom father son teams would enter people from japan that kind of knew how to play indoor volleyball would enter they didn't know anything about beach when you were one of the top seeds you did not even bother hitting in the early rounds because you knew this is 120 teams you have to play I don't know what it is, four matches or five matches on Saturday if you're in the winner's bracket to get through the day. And those last matches are the big ones where you've got to be in top shape. So the early matches, you don't want to be wasting your energy. So you're just poking the ball around against these people that just entered for fun. But when you reach the important matches, you that's when you really need to have your energy and be able to jump. And you, those matches would last two and a half, three hours for one match. And that's what I think the newer, the younger guys playing volleyball today, they don't realize they're just going, ah, oh, the old style would have been so easy. These guys weren't that big. They weren't that strong. They couldn't jump that high. Yeah, but it was not like the average volleyball match, I think, in the in the today's beach volleyball lasts about 30 minutes 35 minutes of actual playing time and back then one match could last two and a half three hours yeah 
And so, and if you have to play, if you have to play three or four of those matches, I mean, there's been Manhattan's that finished it with headlights from the cars yeah. playing at dark, like 68, you know, you put in six and a half hours of play time, jumping, hitting, and it's a baking hot day. It's a whole different thing. It's like a different sport. It's not, it's not like these big guys that can just pound and block and stuff. If you're trying, if you're playing for six and a half hours, you cannot jump serve, run to the net, block, get back, dig the ball, hit. You can't do that for six and a half hours. It it doesn't get done. I mean, the way we would attack guys, there were big guys, Keith Erickson, you know, 6'6", six, six, who played for the Lakers. Tremendous athlete. I mean, he's a world-class athlete. But when you play him, Von Hagen would go, Von Hagen would go up to the Kevin Clary guy the first round and go, you know, I think he should serve uh, Keith Erickson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's real smart for Kevin Clary. But you know what? For later on when Von Hagen's playing him, if he talks everybody into serving Keith Erickson, by the time Von Hagen's playing him, four and a half, five hours later, it's a good strategy. You know, Keith Erickson's not jumping that high. Right, he's, he's a little more tired than he would have been. He's not doing that much, you know. And a big thing, big a big strategy, you wanted to be teamed with a player where, back in those days, where that player, one player wasn't getting every serve. You didn't want to have one giant hitter and that little guy. Then they served the little. They served that little guy the entire time, and it gets exhausting. The, the ideal format was to have a team or different teams would serve different guys on your team, so you weren't one guy wasn't receiving everything. Anyway, that was kind of the format. But to get back to the original thing, my my big heroes were of course Von Hagen and Lang. Those were the guys that had the big influence of all us guys at Sereno for sure. That was who we got to judge our improvement by. It was pretty exciting for us, you know, to, to be able to play against the equivalent of a Michael Jordan all the time. You, if you're a good athlete, you're going to get good fast. And that's what happened. Sure. Uh, now, when you first started playing out on the beach, I think it was a, a big deal back then in terms of, you know, earning your A rating or double A and then triple A. I know at one point it switched to that. So you had to go through that gauntlet to, to earn it. And by all accounts, that's a pretty fun um, journey uh, to, to accomplish those things because you have to, you know, have some big wins along the way. So what do you remember about going through that process who some of your early partners were, who were some of the established teams that maybe you, you had a win or two against and in, in uh, along your, the way of earning that, your uh, your rating on the beach, Jay? Well, it was interesting. You know, when I first started playing in the in 1970, there I think there were only seven open tournaments. There weren't that many. There was like, there would be like a couple A tournaments, maybe two or three A tournaments, a couple double a tournaments and then it was mostly open tournaments so you know it was very difficult because you had you had to get your triple a rating you had to finish in the top four and there's only seven tournaments so it's not like you had a lot of opportunity to do that you had to win a double a and there's only a couple of those tournaments a year 
um, to get your AAA. So AAA was like a very, meant you were a pretty elite player because there's only maybe 25 or 30 AAA players, um, which would be the equivalent of the pro guys now. The qualifiers in today's tournaments would be like the double A guys back then. You know, you were guys that don't finish in the top four in a pro event, they're not getting their AAA rating. So if you get a fifth, the seventh, the ninth, you're still a double A. So to get your AAA meant you broke through into a, a major event. There's only there's only seven tournaments, and they're all from San Diego up to Santa Cruz. For me personally, Greg Lee and I, you know, we were basketball players same year. We played in the LA City Finals for basketball two times. And we kicked his ass, of course, every time. Well, what was his temperature in that one game, though? Wasn't he sick? Oh, God, him and his temperature. <laughs> he suddenly got that temperature when he got his ass kicked by 25 points. <laughs> oh, ooh, better watch out. You know, Greg, he's a, he's a sharp guy. He's going to come at you now with uh, no, some of I that infamous Lee lingo. He got the temperature. The first year, we just beat him. The second year, he got the temperature because he knew he was going to have to play us. So he came in with a pre, pre-planned temperature excuse. You know? <laughs> did he even say anything about it, or was that just? I don't. I, I, or did people just, you know? No, we laughed about it. We had a much better team. He Who was, was on your best, team? He was probably the best player, but we had a much better team. Right. So, so he had Lonnie Lee, his pops, coaching him, and. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, you guys you know, had uh, who was all on that those teams uh, that when you guys were stacked at Pally High um, for uh, basketball. Oh, we well the main guy. We had about five volleyball Americans on that team, but Chris Marlowe was the superstar, and a guy named Ken Baker. And then you know there were a bunch of us other guys that you know, but we were all pretty good, and we played basketball together since we were in the sixth grade. So we 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 were really good. We were a good team. We had run the same offense, did the same. We all knew each other. I mean, we it was uh, it was pretty cool that we played Reseda twice actually because they had really only two players that were any good. The rest of their team was pretty marginal. So it was Greg, and do you remember the other uh, uh, Regent player? Yeah, their other player that was good was Gary Franklin. So he was a, another 6'4", 6'5", guy that was good. And Greg was their superstar and stuff. But we had like 10 guys that were really pretty good. Was uh, were, was Big Daddy Don Shaw there when you were there? And what about yeah. Fred, Fred Stern? Yeah, he was on that, he was on that team. Gosh, what, was, what, what sport wasn't Shaw good at? He seems to have been a pretty talented athlete and coach for that matter. Well... Everybody on that team was pretty talented, actually. There were a lot of talented thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he was more or less talented than four or five other guys on that team. Right. There were, yeah. So I mean, we were we were a good group and a really close group, and that's probably why we won. Is you know we'd been playing together and hanging out together since the sixth grade. But um, yeah, getting back to the Greg Lee and the the volleyball stuff there, um, before I sidetracked you with the uh, basketball um, 
Okay. And Greg Lee and I, okay, so Greg Lee and I are competitors. Probably in in high school, we're just fuming at each other, like, that guy, what an ass, you know? But not really. Because as soon as we were out of high school and that competitive thing is done, then we're like, I'm playing volleyball down there and we're best friends, you know? Mm-hmm. So Greg and I, barely learning really how to play volleyball, not really that good, but we could, we could hit really good because we were big and we could hit. It was like second nature to be a good hitter. So we entered the Santa Monica single A together, our first tournament either of us ever played. And it was early in the year. And, um, but we've been going down there for like the beginning of for six months or four months and we knew all von hagen all like a crew from up there but they were all had too high a rating to play in the santa monica open the santa monica single a because that was the first tournament of the year so greg and i were the only sereno guys that could play in it because we had just started coming down so we played together and of course we couldn't dig a ball or do anything other than hit and so we ended up in the finals against these guys that were could do pretty much everything. They were 30 years old and been playing for a long time. And they schooled us pretty good just because they could they could actually dig an occasional ball and stuff. But so we ended up getting our single A rating and of course the whole Sorrento crew was down there watching advising us all these triple a guys you know telling us what to do and how to beat these guys but we still lost but we were at least in the finals so greg and i were a team for the rest of that summer i think and we we got our double a's right away pretty much just because you know we were probably better athletes than most of the guys at that level until you right. got up to the triple a level and then greg was very adept at convincing people that he was really good and <laughs> he didn't he didn't lack for confidence did no, he? <laughs> he had a lot of confidence and you know he dumped my ass right away and like <laughs> got in there with mingus or shamalas or von hagen or something i mean because von hagen loved ucla basketball so suddenly and that, like greg is playing with von hagen in a couple turns we're going what the hell what is that but Greg was like so good at convincing. Hey, obviously, I played by UCLA basketball. Obviously, I'm a much better athlete than anybody <laughs> else out here. So it makes sense that you, you, Ronnie. It makes sense you should want to play with me. It's only a matter of time till I'm the best guy on the beach. I'm UCLA basketball, and he, I think he convinced Von Egan. Von Egan was playing with him for a few weeks. Oh, that's a classic. Early on. I love it. But I mean, Greg was exceptional at convincing people that he was the best guy on the beach and strongest mentally and stuff. And he probably was. But well, those beatings was... that he took at the hands of his older brothers, Chris and John, when I got a chance to interview Greg, I just loved listening about how John and Chris would, would torture their little brother and when he'd play basketball against John in that backyard hoop that well, Lonnie put up, John would just back him up and then well, wrap know, him around the ball, pummel him. You know, I was down visiting Greg, I think at Bill Walton's house or something, and we were talking about, you know, he had his he had his kid easy 
was his name. And Greg was 6'4", and Easy, it appeared, was going to be about 5'11". And he was a really good player and this and that. And Greg was like going, oh, I hope I hope the fact that, you know, I'm really tall and Walton and everybody's tall, I hope that, you know, Easy's going to be cool with, you know, obviously he's not going to be a real tall and studly guy. And I, and I'm, I look at Greg and I go, Greg, Easy is a lead. In his mind, whatever height he ends up being will be the best height you could possibly be and be in sports. Yeah. Because that's the way the Lees were. You know, they would convince themselves, no matter what was going on or who was doing what, that the Lees were the best and the smartest and the strongest. And a lot of times they were because they believed it. Yeah. Well, both parents were, were teachers, I, I think, Don't right? Worry about easy. He may be 5'10", but in his mind, 5'10 will be the ultimate size. <laughs> yeah, it's even more ideal. <laughs> his son, his yeah. son's name is Easy? Yeah, and he's, I think, a really good guitar player. He went yeah. into music, actually, and became a really good guitar player. I love it. And I think he Easy makes Lee. guitars, actually. So anyway, <laughs> so Greg and I were partners for a while, and then I was partners with Shamalas for two or three tournaments until I got in a car accident, and then Von Hagen snagged him. Oh, I thought you left Chamalas because he hit the ball like a girl. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Tommy and I were pretty potent offensively. You know, I think, you know, we only played together, I think, two or three times. And I think the worst we got was a third. We were just learning how to play, really. I mean, we were good, but we were great. We were really good hitters and fairly good at setting and whatever. Tommy was a incredible on defense for a yeah. big guy. Von Hagen mentioned best, that. He, he said he was awesome at defense. Of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I think that's one of those things that, you know, when you think of Shamalis, you think of Bergman and two of the hardest uh, hitters in the sports history. But um, from what I understand, Tommy was a hell of a digger. And uh, Von Hagen uh, has pounded that into my head about Tommy. So... That's pretty impressive. And I don't think a lot of people know that. No, I remember one time um, Marshall Savage and I were we were playing in the Santa Barbara Open. And we were like a seventh seed or whatever. I don't know. We weren't seated too high. But we had a good tournament. We ended up playing in the finals of the winner's bracket against Von Hagen and Shamalas. Mm -hmm. And they were serving Marshall. Marshall's like 5, 10, 11 maybe. And, but he could only hit the line. From the right side he could only hit the line because he normally played the other side but with me he played that side and he was just hitting the at von hagen hitting at von hagen and as the match went on shamalas just kept moving until he was like literally standing three feet from von hagen the whole other side of the court was open marshall just kept pounding pounding and then we end up winning the winner's bracket and marshall turns to me and goes well, that was great. We'll never beat him again. But, I mean, that mm. was unbelievable. We beat him in the winner's bracket. And sure enough, they came back and beat us to win the tournament. But and wow. sure enough, he was just he just was incredible. At 6'4", he was right up there with anybody. At, when he was in his peak in like 72, 3, 4, maybe 5, before he went to the IVA, which I think he went to in 75, yeah. 74 was his big season, I think, where he won 
six or seven tournaments with four different partners. So then he went to the IVA. I don't even mention the IVA to Von Hagen. He gets so mad <laughs> because he lost his partner. <laughs> but yeah. he was really dig- what? Well, so I, when he was well, at his peak, he was digging really well. Von, Von Hagen's just like going, you know, he's all upset probably because Greg and Jimmy ended up with their big win streak then, which should have an asterisk by it really because the top eight of the top 10 players stopped playing that year that they won all those tournaments. I personally view an asterisk should be by it because if you look at who they played in the finals of those tournaments, they won those guys were getting sevenths and ninths the year before, but if you did it, you did it. This wraps up part one of our multi-part interview with Jay Hanseth. Thanks for tuning in for it. Before I let you go, I want to give credit to the musicians that we use for our podcasts. The opening track is from the band Sponge. The song title is Rainin' off the album Rotting Pinata. The closing track that you'll hear momentarily is from the band Magna Carta Cartel. The song title is That It's Already Too Late off the album Good Morning Restrained. Thanks again for listening. Catch up soon.